ladies, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. The cross is what made the difference. The cross made the difference. Open your Bibles again to Psalm number 34. Well done. I appreciate your preparation, practice. I was blessed just to hear them pray before the service and ask the Lord. Lord, help us to be a blessing and to lift up your name. And that was a blessing to me, and I appreciate the song. And uh, for these mothers to take time uh, and uh, practice, and I appreciate that. Psalm number 34, uh, verse number 3, the Bible says this, O magnify the Lord with me. Then he says this, and let us exalt his name together. Most sermons help us for the hour. Most of them do. And that's what they're for, to help us at a particular time or hour of life. Tonight, I want to preach a message that I would like to uh, influence our summer. And I want to ask you to join me in an effort on purpose to exalt the name of the Lord this summer. I want to ask you to join me. I want to ask you dads and moms and family devotions. I want to ask you in your personal devotions. I want to ask you in your life to do as the psalmist says, let us exalt his name together. And the message is simply entitled, Exalting the Name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, my prayer tonight is not just to remind us of the fact that we already know that we're supposed to exalt your name. We're supposed to lift it up. We're supposed to magnify it. We're supposed to let others see and know and remind them of who you are and how great you are in our love for us. But Lord, I pray that tonight the message would last more than the 30 minutes that it will be preached or even the evening afterward. I ask, Lord, tonight that young people would think about the message and say to themselves, how can I exalt the Lord's name this summer, summer 2021? How can I as a father or a mother, how can I as a teenager, camp staff, church staff, deacon board, how can we exalt the Lord's name? And I believe, Lord, certainly you're worthy. And I believe, Lord, that many blessings will be enjoyed in the lives of your people if we'll put you first in our life and exalt your wonderful name. Bless the message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From the time God made Adam and Eve and placed them in the Garden of Eden, until this very day, God desires for man to magnify and to exalt his name. This is rightfully expected because God is not only the creator of the world, he's the sustainer of the world. The Bible says all things were created by him, all things were created for him, and by him all things consist. You see, without God, we have no hope of the next hour. He is our source of hope and our living. He gives us our breath. Or to use our breath to praise him. He gives us our ability to function, to work, to think, to hear, to talk. Satan doesn't do anything but bait our lives that we would magnify Satan rather than Christ. But the devil's never done anything for us to help us. 
only to hurt us. You see, Satan was cast out of heaven because he desires to be worshipped. You understand the great spiritual struggle that we face is Satan is using anything and everything he can to get our attention that we would not worship God. Now, he really doesn't want us at this point to worship him. He just doesn't want us to worship God because there's coming a day that he will sit down on a throne and declare himself God wanting the world to worship him. He declared in Isaiah 14 that he would be exalted above the throne of God and that he would be praised as God. And as a result, he was cast out of heaven. He entered into the Garden of Eden in deception of the truth, desiring the obedience and praise of mankind toward him. God's people have been taught from the beginning that we are to magnify the Lord as a people. He taught the nation of Israel I want you to magnify my name. I want my name to be great by your choice. Not by my forcing you, but by your choice to magnify my name. When they went into that mighty land of Canaan, the promised land, they were supposed to magnify his name. And rightfully so. It was God that gave them the nation. It was God that had provided for them all that they had. The great sin of the nation of Israel began by ignoring the God of heaven and later defying that name and then worshiping the heathen gods of the land. You may say, I'd never do that. One way to guarantee it is to be faithful in magnifying the Lord's name in our life. Ezekiel the prophet is an interesting prophet because he, of course, tells him of the judgment of the Lord. But here's what he says over and over. In fact, turn your Bibles to Ezekiel 6. I'll be there in just a moment. Uh, you'll find that he says to them, I'm going to bring judgment in such a way that you're going to say, I know for sure he is the Lord. May I say tonight, Satan is an imposter. Satan is a deceiver. He is a liar. He never gives life. He never gives light. He never gives joy. He never gives anything. He wants to deceive us, keeping us from worshiping God. And Ezekiel told them, you don't want God to bring punishment because when he does, he will do so in such a way you're going to realize the Lord, he is the God. Notice what he says in Ezekiel 6 and verse number 7. And the slain shall fall in the midst of you, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 10 or 6 and verse number 10. And they shall know that I am the Lord, and that I have not said in vain that I would do this evil or hurt unto them. Go down to verse number 13. Then shall ye know that I am the Lord. When their slain men shall be among their grain tree and under every thick oak, the place where they did offer sweet savor to all their idols, so will I stretch out my hand upon them and make the land desolate, yea, more desolate than the wilderness toward Dibleth in all their habitation, and they shall know that I am the Lord." Now I speak to a group of folks tonight that are in church. We're here to worship, to magnify, to exalt the wonderful name of God. But I want us to understand that it is possible for you and I to leave the will of God and do as these people and, and offer sacrifices to false idols. We don't want to get to that place. We don't want to come to the place that we face judgment because of our sin. God's people then ought to be active in exalting the name of the Lord. 
May I say as I go through scripture and I find those that exalted his name in every situation, though it be a good or difficult situation, when they magnified God's name, God blessed them in a miraculous way. It's interesting to see as God looked down on the earth and, it, and uh, the Bible said uh, that it repented the Lord that he'd even made man. But I love this phrase, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want that to be our life this summer. As God looks down and no doubt is grieved by the sin and the wickedness of our nation and the direction that many are pushing it toward, I want him to be able to look at your street and your house and your neighborhood and say, I'm thankful for that family that exalts my name. God blessed Noah. God blessed Joseph for exalting the name of the Lord in the good days and the difficult days. God blessed David because he exalted the name of the Lord. God blessed Daniel and his three Hebrew friends because even in a foreign land where everyone was told to bow down and worship the image that the king had made, Daniel exalted only the name of the Lord. And God blessed Daniel and his friends for that, I'm preaching tonight to say, would you join me and let's exalt God's name this summer. Let's go through these summer months making sure that when God sees us and he sees our family, that there's joy and delight in the heart of God because of God's people exalting his name. I see that God blessed children for exalting the name of the Lord. God bless the young boy, King Josiah, who exalted the name of the Lord. He said, we're going to do what's right to do. We're going to do what our father David did, speaking of his forefather. And we're going to put God front and center in our life. We're going to get rid of the altars that were built for the false gods. And we're going to build an altar and just worship the God of heaven. And I'm saying this summer, as a church and as a church family and a church body, let's exalt his name together. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, in that same passage of scripture, where the Bible says that he made all things... He made all things for himself. He sustains all things. The Bible says in verse 18 of that passage of scripture, and he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In all things. That doesn't mean just church. That means school and church and work and vacation and whatever we do. God would be first in our life. Preacher, how do we exalt his name? Five simple things. First of all, we exalt him with our lips. We tell him what a good God he is. And when we tell him, it reminds us. It fills our mind with who God is. And it reminds us and it, and it affects our thinking. It affects our behavior when we exalt his name with our lips. It's difficult to use his name in vain when you're exalting the name of Christ. Psalm 51, verse number 5, the psalmist said, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Psalm 63, verse number 3, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Folks, God's been good to us. He's been good to our families. He's provided for us. He's blessed us even in many cases with abundance. Here we are with so many blessings. Do we not understand? I know we worked and I know we earned, but it was God that gave the strength and God that gave the wisdom and the knowledge. God's been good to us. And the psalmist said, because of his loving kindness, I'll praise his name. 
Psalm 63, verse number 5, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Tell him in the morning, you're a great God. You're a wonderful God. What a joy it is, no matter what happens in this world, to know that you're in control. And the evil can only go as far as you allow it. And the sin can only go as far as you allow it. And were it not for his loving kindness and his patience and his mercy, our world would be cut off without another chance or opportunity to come to know Christ as Savior. I say tonight, when you begin your day tomorrow, begin it by praising the wonderful name of Christ. Psalm 119, 171, my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. What a praise God in church. I enjoy singing. I enjoy hearing you sing. It's a blessing to my heart. I get excited. I get anxious in choosing a chorus and a song they're going to sing together. I love to hear the sound. I love the words of all of it. What a praise him in church. What a praise him in our homes too. I want God's blessing in my home I want to praise his name in my home. I want to praise him in public places. I want to praise him in times of trouble. Paul and Silas praised him in the jail. And when God came to visit them, the jail wasn't big enough for all of them. He opened the jail up. Can I say, you ought to praise him. You ought to praise him when you feel good. You ought to praise him when you feel bad. You ought to praise him when you want to praise him. And you ought to praise him when you don't want to praise him. You ought to crucify the old sorry flesh and say, even though these lips do not desire to praise God, I'll crucify this old flesh and I'll make my lips that God has given life to and I'll make them praise the wonderful name of Christ. Praise him in the evening. Praise him in the morning. Praise him at noon. Make a decision to praise him with your lips. Second of all, praise him not just with your lips, praise him with your life. How we live is more important than what we say. Now, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's important to say so. It's important to tell God that we recognize who he is and we praise him. We ought to praise him with our lips, but we also ought to praise him with our life. Our vocabulary ought to be pleasing to him Monday through Saturday. The influences of life ought to be pleasing to our God. We ought to praise him by the life we live. I'll be honest with you. This old world that hates God, I'm not going to let this world tell me how to live my life. In any way, shape, form, or fashion, I rebel against the world. This world that follows the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, and that's what they live for. And when I say world, I'm talking about the unconverted, the uh, those that have rejected Christ, those that are in the in, under the influence of Satan. I'm not going to let the I'm not going to let the world influence <coughs> my life. I don't want it to. I rebel against it. They're not going to tell me what kind of music to listen to. I, I don't care what the styles and fashions are for this summer. I want to please Him. I, I don't care what the new movies are. I'm asked often on an airplane, and folks say it just for casual conversation. Have you seen the latest movie? I haven't seen the old movie, let alone the newest one. Not interested. I, I, I'm not, and I'm serious about what I'm saying. For a little more than a year, the work was going on here to develop these first 30, 35 acres of our property. 
I don't know how many pieces of equipment and operators there were here during that year and a half. I'm going to guess there were 15, maybe 20. Some of, those, some of those pieces of equipment, they were huge. I mean, I couldn't touch the top of the tire. Sometimes I'd crawl up in them. And, boy, it was big up there. I mean, earth movers and excavators and bulldozers. Some of those bulldozers, I mean, it looked like a video game in there. They had a big screen, and they had a, a topographical map, and, and uh, it looked easy. Uh, after I'd uh, taken out three cars, I quit trying to run it. But, uh, uh, no, I, I didn't, but I, I wanted to try it. And, uh, but I don't, I don't know how many different folks came for that year and a half. And, of course, we had a lot of rain and a lot of delays. Uh, we, uh, we, we won a lot of folks to Christ, David and I both. Uh, we, we won several men to Christ. And, and here's what I found. Uh, they, they would come, and I would just go ask them a question, and, and uh, they, they would stop, and they'd see me walk up, and I'd just climb up there with them. I'd say, let me, let me ride with you a minute or two. Now, what I, wanted to do was wit- what I wanted to do was witness to them. When a guy's running a bulldozer, you want to be up there with him, not on the ground. <laughs> and so I'd get up there, and I'd talk to him. You know, it's an amazing thing. You know, if a man was a Christian, it didn't take five minutes to know if he was born again. There's a fellow that drove a piece of equipment, 80 years old, and, and, and ran that every day. I remember meeting him. He wore blue jeans and cowboy boots, cowboy hat, and every day. And, uh, I, I mean, you didn't have to have a watch to know what time 12 o'clock came because wherever he was, he just shut his machine off and he had lunch. That was a good idea. And uh, he'd stop and have a snack and a break and just, just write to schedule. I remember talking to him. I had no more introduced myself. And he said, Preacher, I'll just tell you. He said, I was an old drunk. My life was wasted. He said, I, I, I didn't have anything in life and everything I had, the devil took it from me. But one day I heard the gospel and he said, and the old fellow began to tear up and tell me his story of salvation. Friend, I want to tell you something. We don't exalt Christ just with our songs on Sunday. We exalt him with the life that we live. And no matter where you go or what you're doing tomorrow, don't you be ashamed to lift your voice and tell folks what Christ had done for you. We were sinking in the miry clay of sin. Death was coming on death row, but Jesus came and he opened the cell door and he said we could go free. Thank God for the day that has set us free. What a praise God in our lives. What a praise Him in the prayer closet. I was uh, on a flight recently, sat down beside a man. He worked uh, out of the Pentagon. He worked in security. We chatted a few minutes. I asked what he did for a living. And then I introduced myself to him. I told him I was a preacher. He said, I knew you were. He said, when you got on the plane, I thought you were a preacher. When you sat down beside me, I knew you were. I said, why is that? He said, because my mama prays for me every day. He said, if there's a preacher, a Christian on the plane, he always gets seated right beside me. <laughs> I said, well, you know, that's interesting. My seat was, uh, I believe, 8C, and they upgraded me to 1C right beside you. I said, so let me ask you a question. He said, yes, sir, I am a Christian. I am. He said, but my mom doesn't think I'm right with God. I said, your mom probably knows best. And I said, your mama... His prayers are answered to give you that reminder again and again. Now, I don't know about your life, but I want to tell you something. You ought to live it to please God. 
What an exalt. I'm asking you to join me this summer. That Let's exalt his name with our lips. Let's exalt his name with our lives. Third of all, we exalt his name by obeying his commands. The Bible says we ought to be faithful to church. Mom and dad, you ought to raise your children being faithful to the Lord's house. Sunday school is important. Church is important. Wednesday night Bible study is important. I know we come and sometimes, especially on Wednesday, we're tired and I understand that. But you know, if we just come to let God know, I want you to know I'm on your side. I want you to know that I love you. That I want to be faithful in my place. We want to be faithful in our giving, our tithes and offerings. And God is blessed. You folks have been so faithful in giving. And our children have been giving. And our teens have been giving. And, 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 and folks have been faithful. But the way we exalt the name of God, you know, anybody can say, I love you, Lord. As the bumper sticker says, tithe. If you love Jesus, anybody can honk. <laughs> I like that. We ought to get some of those and pass those out. I, I like those. And uh, ought to be a faithful witness to the Lord. That's how we exalt his name. Get you some gospel tracks. You'll have, I was talking to Brother Raymond this morning, and he drives for Uber two or three or four days uh, a week. And he said, uh, always give gospel tracks. And... Uh, uh, always invite folks to church. He said, you know, it's sad sometimes that young people go to college, they don't want to take a gospel track. And, and, and what I've done, I've said to folks, if you don't have time to read it now, j just put it in your, in, in your bag or your purse or put it in your pocket. You know, God has a way to use that old gospel track right there. Let's, let's exalt his name by giving the gospel. Let's exalt his name by obeying his commands. I want to say number four, let's exalt the name of Christ by our consecration to him. I hear, I hear folks talk about these deep walk with God. I hear folks talk about this mysterious deep walk with God. They'd never give a gospel tract, never went anybody to Christ, but they get this. Anyway, that's not the purpose of the message. But we ought to be serious about consecrating our life to Christ. Our, our Christian life shouldn't be much different. Our behavior should, it shouldn't be much different tomorrow than it is now. I mean, we, we, we ought to desire. The word consecration means to fill the hand. It, it, it means to fill the glove. It, it means for me to take my life and just put it in God's hand and say, just do with me what you want to do with me. I hear folks say, I just want to find out who I am. I just want to be me. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be me. I want to be who God wants me to be. You know, I, I, I've seen God just transform people in the word of God. I'm glad Jacob didn't settle and say, well, I just want to be me. That's who I am. I'm glad he yielded his life to God and let God make him who God wanted him to be instead of who he was. 
He changed his name from Jacob to Israel, a prince with God. God did a transforming work in his life and he made him and used him in a way that he could have never imagined. That's what I hunger and desire. I want God to be pleased with my life. I get up in the morning, I want to put my life in God's hands. I want my lips to be his and my hands to be his and my heart and my feet to be his. I want him to use me. I want to be consecrated to Christ. Now we can't be consecrated to Christ unless we're separated from the world. Ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to do with my life? Do you know, I wrote this statement down the other day. If God is pleased with my life, then I ought to be happy with my life. You know, anybody can be happy in life if you decide, I'm going to put my life in God's hands, and if God's pleased, I'm pleased. Quit trying to find whatever it is in the world that will make you happy. Do you know Solomon tried that? And the book of Ecclesiastes tells us where all he looked and he had the money and the means that he could gather anything or do anything or experience anything. He said, I experienced all the world and I found that it was all vanity. It was all empty. And he said, as he came to the final chapter of that book of Ecclesiastes, that we ought to fear God and just gild our lives to serve him. A consecrated life. A consecrated life is a life that exalts the name of Christ. I'd like for folks to know I'm a preacher on Monday as much as on Sunday. We don't always wear the same clothes. You can't be a mechanic. You can't work and wear your suit. I'm not talking about that. But our, our behavior and our demeanor can be in such a way that folks know we're a child of God. There ought to be a consecration. There ought, to be a, there ought to be a desire for God to use our lives. And last of all, I want to say this. As the psalmist said, let us exalt his name together. I want to so live my life that even in my death, I can exalt the name of Christ. Do you know you're preaching your funeral now when you come to the end of your life, the preacher's job is to just summarize how you live your life. This week is another week of testimony for how your life will end. I want to exalt him in my life. I want to exalt him with my lips, but I also want to exalt him in my death. You know, when Stephen was martyred, when Stephen was martyred, he so exalted the name of Christ that the Bible said he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He was pleased with Stephen. I was talking to Belva after church today about her dad and his funeral on Friday, Brother Harvey Ayers. And she shared with me a note that a hospice nurse actually posted online about Brother Ayers and about his family. And she posted, I did not know him and I did not know them. And, 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 and the work of hospice nurses, that's a difficult work because they, they simply do the same thing over and over. They help to make folks comfortable in their final hours and days of life. And his mind was good all the way through to just, just before his death. He had a sharp and a, and a good mind. He made every decision all the way through. And, and that nurse posted on a public social media, as she watched the family gather, 
She was amazed at their kindness, their gracefulness. She was impressed with the fact that they could still laugh in sorrow. They were funny. They were witty. And I'm just telling you what she said. They were understanding about death. And they embraced his death and the grace and goodness of the Lord. And she said it was such a good display of a Christian heritage. Here's what the nurse said. That so impacted me what I saw as they gathered around his bed. She said, I decided I wanted my family to have more of a Christian family and legacy of faith in God. Isn't that a good testimony? That's how we want to die. Death is difficult and sorrow is real and the hurt and pain of separation. It doesn't matter how old our parents are. It, there's always a loneliness to lose a grandparent or a parent. It's a difficult thing. But we ought to so desire to please him that even in our death we exalt his name. I had a meeting in North Michigan on Thursday morning early. Cadillac, Michigan, that's a long drive. I'll tell you, it's a beautiful country up there. It just takes a long time to get to it. And uh, Cadillac, Michigan. And then on Friday, I drove back Thursday night to Ypsilanti, and I went and visited Brother Anderson on Friday. Russell Anderson and I, I've, I've known him since I was a boy. I visited our house when I was just, just a little boy. I'll never forget. He offered to take my mom and dad out to eat after church on Sunday. He said, I'll buy you a steak dinner. My dad said, um, but you know, we, we don't eat out on Sunday. My dad wouldn't buy a stick of gum or ice cream on Sunday, but wouldn't buy anything on Sunday. And he said, but I'll tell you what I will do. He said, I'll invite you to come have lunch with us after church. And uh, he said, and, and, and I remember we had fried chicken, soup beans, and cornbread. Well, that sounds good for after church on Sunday night, don't it? Any one of the three or combination or whatever it is. And so I, I knew him since a boy. In the last 25 years, we've worked and served the Lord together. Of course, Dr. Anderson is the co-founder of our college. We preached a lot of tent revivals and conferences together. Our heart's desire was to see God bless our state. And I believe God has blessed our state. And we have had some impact for the Lord on our state. As I sat there beside him, of course, he turned 90 years old uh, in, in May. And uh, we, we just reminisced about what God had done and the blessings. And he said to me in tears, I don't, I don't know why the Lord would keep me here. I don't know why he won't just bring me home to heaven. And then in tears, he said, unless there's somebody else I can win to Christ. He quoted a poem that I've heard him quote many times. And this would describe his life. He said, I met God in the morning when the day was at its best. And his presence came like sunrise, like a glory in my breast. All day long his presence lingered. All day long he stayed with me. And we sailed in perfect calmness. Over a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered. Other ships were sore distressed. But the winds that seemed to drive them. Brought to us a peace and rest. He didn't quote this part. 
when I saw him on Friday, but he has in the past. Then I thought of other mornings with a keen remorse of mind when I too had loosed the moorings with his presence left behind. So I think I know the secret learned from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. That defined, that described his life as he sought every morning to meet with God and to learn from the word of God, spend time praising God. What a desire, not just, not just as a sprint runner, but we ought to desire all of our life to exalt his name. I want to ask you to join me this summer. Let's do what the psalmist said. As he writes, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Stand with me if you will.